This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Good morning and welcome to the Pirates podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. My name is Alex Dump. His name is Josh Taylor of 93.7 and KDKA. Josh, how you doing, man? I'm good. It's a, it's a pretty crazy, nice, warm, non-Pittsburgh and early May day outside. <laughs> I've been in the house most of the day, so here we go. Yeah, I feel kind of guilty about that too because I was in that Cincinnati series and it, it was just cold and miserable and hated all but it's like the first time all year we've actually had nice weather here and it's it's really nice yeah it's, it's it. actually a good weekend I'm, I'm hoping that some of this carries over with this uh this Cincinnati series at home I mean granted you know it, it's kind of been the exact opposite for most of the year but this is a, a good time especially with Mother's Day coming up it, it for a lot of people it's that time of year when the season starts to like kind of curve around that quarter pole and the weather gets nicer so it's it's a good it's a good time Speaking of Cincinnati series, there's one this weekend. There was one last weekend. And then there was this Dodgers series, you know, sandwich in between them. And Josh, I'm going to be honest with you. Before that first Cincinnati series, I thought I pretty much had this team pegged. That look, they're beating or they're at least very competitive against the teams that they should beat. They're beating the bad teams. And then whenever they have to face a Brewers or something, they're not being, you know, bulldozed or anything, but they're not winning those. Right. That's wherever there's a clear talent gap. But I, I feel like that's a good indicator for a team. Like if you could at least beat the bad teams, then you're not, you know, the worst <laughs> type of team. And then those two series happen whenever they get just pretty much outplayed in the mm. first red series. And then they beat the Dodgers two out of three. And now I just – that theory's out the window for it. I, I don't have that read on this team anymore. It's crazy. I was I was doing the um, nightly sports call last weekend with Paul Zeiss, and we were talking about that series with Cincinnati, how they split that doubleheader and just the circumstances behind losing the first one and winning the second one. And Paul saying, like, look, you got you got the Dodgers coming to town. You know, you, you got to get two out of three from Cincinnati, right? And you got to try to win the other Cincinnati series, specifically because the Dodgers are coming to town. Yeah, I think I made an offhanded comment in between, like, between segments. I'm saying, I don't know. Knowing this team, they're more likely to to lose the Red Series and take two out of three from the Dodgers. I would That would shock me less. Not thinking in a million years they would actually do exactly that. And I'm sitting there going, you know what? I'm not saying anything anymore. Because even the crazy stuff that comes out of my mouth that I think won't happen ends up happening. So, I, you know what? I'm just going to shut up. So, I had to laugh. And the weird thing about it is going a little deeper into the weirdness. And you probably know this. I have this theory. Anytime you have a three-game series, then I have a theory that there's a game you probably should win, a game you probably should lose, and a game that could go either way. The one I thought they would lose, they won. The one I thought they would win, 
they lose. And then, of course, they win the one that goes either way. And I'm sitting there going, you know what? Never mind. It just, <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Shut up now. Yeah. I, the amazing thing about that Dodger series is like that Cincy series was was bad. That was some just right. bad baseball for everything besides that game, too. And they probably still sh- could have won that game one if they had a catcher. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, even if that's just a freak, whatever it happens type of thing, like, Left Cincinnati, there just wasn't good enough baseball played. They did basically everything right against the Dodgers. I mean, that game Wednesday, six shutout innings from Dylan Peters and Max Kranich. And it's like, what would it take on the free agent market to sign someone who's going to give you six shutout innings against the Dodgers? Like, and, and, and they cobbled it together with guys that they have on their own. And... <laughs> Like Jack Sawinski has a couple big hits. And Diego Castillo contributes with the glove. And it's just like top to bottom, everyone does a little bit, especially some of the kids that you're hoping will pan out for the long term. Not counting a two-inning save by David Bednar. Like all, dude, all dude, of it just comes another together. Level. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I, was, I had this discussion. I think it was maybe late July last year with uh, Greg Finley, my former producer. He's still a good friend of mine. We talk a lot of baseball. And we're having the discussion. I said, is David Bednar on the path to being this team's closer? Like, are we looking at this now? Or at least, you know, being one of the better guys in this bullpen for for, for the foreseeable future? And Greg's answer was, he said, I think he could be the closer on this team. And that was really when I first started to believe it. And Greg ended up hosting a show on 93.7 The Fan on the early morning show. And that's when he put it out there. He says, look, I think David Bednar could be this team's closer. And I started paying more attention to it just because he had pointed it out. And the more I see him pitch, the more I'm like, crap, Greg is right. And that two inning <laughs> save Wednesday, that if it didn't cement it for you before, there's there's a handprint, at least a footprint in there now, because he's he's definitely writing his name in that wet cement at this point. You know, it, is he the all-star for this team? And it, that's... Good question. It's a really like, good question. Because that's usually the position that's toughest to read, because like a bad team can mm-hmm. just send a reliever and that's their all-star representative, so it's not always who's the best group of relievers it's I, I i don't know i don't know who else it could possibly be at this point because he's just been well outside of you know another reliever like a dylan peters maybe True. in or will crow maybe but like bednar is definitely the guy we're, we're talking reliever here at that point i think and, that would be the that'd be my pick at this point i mean if you if you saw a stronger start from brian reynolds Maybe he gets the oh he has the reputation on the team that maybe not be may not be so good and maybe a couple other outfielders are hurt maybe he becomes that guy but we haven't seen that scenario so for right now I think it's Bednar I think you're right because the only other guy I can think of is Key and as good as Key yeah. has been he doesn't have any homers and third base is just as deep it's the oh, deepest position in baseball and there's always a glut of nationally third basemen if there's anything else yeah. you usually see a bunch of those yeah so I I don't know I think that's going to be interesting in a month or so agreed. But what he is able to do to solidify that bullpen, because it wasn't only just a six out save to win the series. It was a six out save and he has no safety net. Stratton right. has been used. Dylan Peters has been used. Will Crow has been used. Like they, we're, Heath Hembry is the next guy out of that bullpen. Who And he has what, a six something ERA at the moment? Like that's right. You're, you're out there for two innings without a safety net and he six up, six down. When and, he got through with the eighth, I said, okay, he's only thrown 14 pitches and he looked pretty good. Can, can he come in here and, and do this again in the ninth? Cause they haven't used him a lot. I, I know there's the Thursday game with Cincinnati, but at the same time, 
If you're going to use him, use him for this one. Don't worry about saving him for tomorrow. Use him for this game to beat the Dodgers because that's a bigger game. And then I notice in the the bottom of the eighth that no one's warming up. And I'm like, okay, they're they're going to try to do this. And he goes out and just just knee buckles the first guy he faces in the top of the ninth. I said, okay, they knew what they were doing. (laughs) This worked out for them. And you know what happens whenever you have a guy like that? You win the close games and you make up for the fact that you once again have a terrible run differential for the series, but you Absolutely. win the series out of it. Like the same thing they did in Chicago. It, that's exactly what happened in Chicago. And I'm sitting there going, man, this is one of those times where, you know, Pythagoras is probably pulling his hair out going, I, you know how long I worked on this and this is what you're telling me. Well, he's <laughs> rolling in his grave right now. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's so crazy. And it's another one of those things with this team that makes absolutely no sense, but it, it is, it, it, it's worth arguing when you lose a game by 10 runs the night before, and then you turn around, this happens, especially on a, a day game, a getaway day game. And this happens. That's, that's a, that's a pretty strong bounce back. And to see them do it the way they did, like you mentioned, you know, six shutout innings with two guys. And then another guy on the back end, he gives you two more shutout and go six up, six down. I don't know what else you could ask for from, from a pitching no. staff as far as performing that well. That They got exactly what they needed at the right time against the perfect team. And it, against the perfect team is the big point that needs to be underlined and italicized and bolded because that team is going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be competing for a World Series. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about payroll, <laughs> no differences, or structure with the game, whatever. It happened. The Pirates took two out of three against them. Why? Because of their pitching. And who could have expected that you know, coming into this year? Jose Quintana, Dylan Peters, <laughs> Max Cranick, shut them down. I, the last time you and I spoke on these very airwaves, you talked about it. I said, I, I'm, I'm one of those people that says, look, this is this is what we're talking about here is when, when the pitching shows up, it's when things start to get serious. And when you, you know that a team is starting to roll and this has been my theory for a long time, pitching defense and offense are the three elements really of baseball. You need at least two of them to win a game, but one of them has to be pitching if you're going to win a lot of games and for them to get it at this particular time. And you can either call it curious, you call it fate. You can call it a complete shot in the dark, but they got it when they needed it. Josh, thanks for coming on, man. I you're getting the boot though, because some, some catcher went to Altoona and I got to talk to Jared Prugar about that in the next segment. I'd love to hear this. I'm excited about this one. I'm good to see that. I'm glad to see that he's, uh, getting that shot in Altoona. And I was hoping Henry Davis could be one of those guys to be an aggressive riser. I hope that continues. I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see him in Indy at the end of the year. I'm that would be say fantastic. It. I love it. I love the thought of it. I love it. Thanks for coming on, Josh. And thank you for listening to segment one. We got a second segment coming up right after this. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.
Welcome back to the Pirates Podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Our old friend Jared Prugars here. And Jared, you, I, I got to admit, I'm pretty envious of you this week because you got to watch a week's worth of Henry Davis. And, you know, I, I made the trip up to talk to him, got to say hi, got some good quotes. You actually got to see him play in person. So I'm going to just hand the ball off to you here. Henry Davis, the ball player. Go. Yeah, I mean, obviously in his first game, he homers. Um Hits the ball really, really well, really, really hard, really, really far, um, multiple times in that first game. And, and Thursday night was okay. Um, I thought that he had maybe some trouble receiving um, Omar Cruz, who doesn't necessarily throw hard. We talked about it. He throws between 87 and 91, maybe closer to 88 to 91. Um, sit, uh, good curve, good slider, an okay changeup. I mean, and it, and that's, I think, just can be attributed to the fact that he's not really worked with him in a while. So it's a little different uh, coming from Greensboro to Altoona, but I think he'll be just fine. I mean, you know, I, he looked to be aggressive on the bases when he got on, and, and I'm excited to see him play. I mean, it's a small sample size. He um, he did not play on Tuesday, or not on Tuesday, but on Wednesday they had a, they had a night game. Uh, or a day game after a night game. I'm sorry. Um, and then Thursday night, he's behind the plate again. I'm I'm excited to see him play because I think he's got the skills. Um, and, you know, there's a reason why he was a top pick, and that, there's a reason why he's in Altoona already. Yeah, and a big reason why is you can't ignore there's a good chunk of pitchers there who could be, you know, part of the major league staff. And that's Part of the reason why Henry Davis started off the year briefly in Greensboro to have a little bit of camaraderie there. It's part of the reason why he's called up now so he can, you know, get to catch these guys. And yeah, Omar Cruz doesn't throw that hard, but you've seen that curveball. That thing just drops. There's there's a lot of movement on it. So that's yes. if, if you've only really caught him in spring training, it's a completely different animal. Right. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's still a learning process, right? It's only two games and you have all this adrenaline coming from that first game, that initial game, you get called up at every level. It's, it's that same adrenaline rush, right? You finally get to the next level and you have all these media come in. It's in knowing that there was nobody in Greensboro and there's just a much ado about it. And, and, and rightfully so. And now I think as he settles in and, you know, gets adjusted to Altoona and adjusted to the play baseball. I think he's going to be, he's going to be just fine. And you mentioned the pitching Omar Cruz can be <laughs> like, I, I'm very high on Omar Cruz. Like we talked about him. I, I know we talked about him quite a few times on, on this podcast, but he's a guy that can stick around the league for 10 to 15 years. If he can get there just because he might not throw the hardest, he's not going to blow it past very many people. But he's going to keep them off balance. He's going to avoid barrels, and that's exactly what you want from a lefty. He's a he's an in betweener right now. He started Thursday night, um, did okay. I mean, he he didn't, you know, didn't overly impress. The curve didn't look very good, uh, to be perfectly honest. Made some mistakes in the outfield, which was less than ideal, or not in the outfield, but the infield, and and just really wasn't a good um, game um, all around for them. But you know he's a guy that, that has a chance and the, the results don't speak for it necessarily. 
um, on a stat sheet from Thursday, but you know, he, with being the guy from the, from the left side with, with the movement that he gets and the spin rate that he gets um, both uh, his curve slider and his fastball, man, uh, uh, he could, he could have a chance to be a major league reliever someday. One more thought here on Davis. And, and then like, I, I, I want to talk about one other guy here in Altoona. We've done the Altoona round down beforehand, but it's, it's just the spot for prospects right now. One more thing with Davis. And I don't even think this is a question. This is just an observation. I love the hands. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a funky staff or stance. And there's not a whole lot of movement in the upper half. Like that's pretty steady. And like the hands, they just quick load, quick movement back to the load, go forward fast. That's where the power comes from. I think that's something that's going to translate well to the upper parts of the system and the major leagues too. No, that's a good point. And he's like, he gets hit a lot. He got hit. Thursday night and which you really don't see from the right side, but he's tight on the plate. He's got quick hands, no batting gloves. He's an old school dude, you know, but I, the hands play um, the bat speed and the, and the power will play. It's just seeing that he gets adjusted and, and continues that upward trajectory because as long as he doesn't get too stagnant. And I don't think there's going to be an issue with, with Davis at least. And since you brought up a pitcher you like, I, I'm gonna bring up one too here because I he came up in the live cues for me. Mike Burroughs. I mean friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast, and yeah, I, I don't know. That stuff just I'm kind of getting Rwanzi vibes from him right now, where it's kind of like, what are you doing here, man? <laughs> yeah, he I listen, I love Burroughs. He was consistent in Greensboro. He was great in Greensboro, and he's brought that to Altoona, and he's really picked up where he left off, and he's fine-tuning some things, of course, but he's been there, one of their most consistent, if not the most consistent starter that the that they've had in Altoona uh, this season. Yeah, the only thing that with him is just pitching a whole, whole year because he had the injury last year. So he did go to the fall league to get a couple more innings at the end, short season ball beforehand, no 2020. The only thing he has to prove really in my mind is that he can go 120, 150 innings this Mm -hmm. year because stuff is absolutely there. I think he's one of those guys that whenever we identify who could be a one or two in the system, he he and Rowanzi are probably my two bit my picks, the two pitchers with the highest ceilings, except for me. All right, I'll throw Jared Jones in there too. Yeah, and, and I think it, this is where wins and losses aren't relevant, right? Because right now he's one and oh, he's started six games, but that's not necessarily indicative of the performance. He's a one three five ERA, 26.2 innings pitched, 35 Ks. And, and it walked, uh, his whip is 0.83. So, you know, statistically speaking, he's doing phenomenal. He's keeping batters off balance and he's really just adjusting, even when he doesn't have his greatest stuff, but he doesn't get hurt often. And he's able to, to really overcome that. And when you have that man, I think he's got the mental makeup too, to be a top tier starter down the line. Any last Henry Davis thought you want to, 
pile on here real fast. I I just want to see more of them. You know, that's again, a good one. Two games isn't enough right now. All right, that's fair. Jared, thanks, man. We'll be right back here for a little bit. Welcome back to the Pirates Podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. One quick take to end the week, and I don't even know if it counts as a take. I, I want to bring up a quote that I put in my most recent Mitch Keller story. And I put in the big Mitch Keller story I did at the beginning of the year. It's from Mitch, and he kind of said, not kind of, he directly said, it's a now or never. Now or never. And look, I, I put in that story Friday night. There were some good peripherals coming into the game, but that was bad. And the ERA, you can't run from it. You can't run from it. It's pretty ugly looking at the moment. I don't know what the take is beyond what I wrote. Go read that, but <laughs> there we go. There we go. If, if Mitch says it's now or never and he's got an ERA over six a month into the season, that that should be alarming. Thank you so much for listening to the Pirates Podcast to be named later. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our feed. Get all our fine podcasts wherever you find podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or all of them. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again next week.